Are you ready to be transported back to 1800s high society London? Because season three of Bridgerton is now playing only on Netflix. This season follows the story of the Tons resident wallflower, Penelope Featherington, as she undergoes a journey of self-discovery and empowerment where we see her truly blossom. Penn's emotional transformation takes centre stage as her friendship with the charming Colin Bridgerton evolves into something more. For those not yet acquainted, Colin, the charming younger brother of the Bridgerton family, is about to turn Penelope's world upside down. Mm, This is the ultimate good friends to lovers story. From those initial butterflies to when both parties realise there might be something more between them, watch Bridgerton Season 3, now playing only on Netflix. Welcome to Shameless, the celebrity and pop culture podcast for smart people who love dumb stuff. You're joined, as always, by Melbourne writers Michelle Andrews, that would be me, and Zara McDonald, that would be you. Hi, we also have producer Annabelle Lee here too. Hey guys, coming up on today's show, explaining the Emma Roberts meme all over your timeline right now. Reese Witherspoon becomes the world's richest actress. Old mate Farmer Will from Farmer Wants a Wife finally addresses the rumour that he got a contestant pregnant. And finally, a rebuttal to the Instagram wellness warriors who are telling us that we need to go back to the good old days. But first, my beloved Zara McDonald, how was your week? Good. Just realised I hadn't thought about this at all. (laughs) Week was wonderful. I mean... It's hard to have a terrible week when you still have full-time Olympics on. I'm not quite sure what I'm going to do in about three or four days when there's nothing to watch. Can I address the Olympics thing for a second? Not to hijack your week. A lot of listeners came to me and were like, Michelle, you shouldn't hate the Olympics. Why do you not like it? Get around it. I'm like, did anyone listen to that segment? I said I love the Olympics, but you are like stratospheric in your obsession for it. I think it was because people felt like you banned me from doing a segment on the Olympics, which... I should have been banned. This is a celebrity (laughs) podcast, not a sport one. So beyond just sitting in front of my laptop at work, having a split screen on, quickly changing my tabs when anyone walks past because (laughs) I should be doing my work. You have delayed more than one or two meetings to watch the end of a race. Just two more minutes doesn't hurt anyone. (laughs) I do have a recommendation this week. Is it about the Olympics? Yes, but... I won't do one next week. I want to recommend an episode of The Daily called The Story of Simone Biles. Have either of you listened to this episode? No, but this sounds like a banger recommendation and one that I will be binging as soon as this episode ends. Yeah, so I think the minute, as we know, last week when Simone Biles initially pulled out of all of her events, as we know on Tuesday night, she actually did come back and win bronze, which was amazing to see. But initially when she pulled out for mental health reasons, I just found myself in this absolute rabbit hole of wanting to know everything there is to know about Simone Biles. Mm. And I thought I knew quite a bit, but I just feel like she's had the most interesting and complex story and is one of the most remarkable people I've ever read about. And so The Daily basically put together this story about her relationship with gymnastics and the way they did it. I mean, I know they are kings of the and queens or whatever of the <laughs> podcast game, just to keep it equal. But the way they told the story, within about 13 minutes I stopped the episode and said to my boyfriend, 
of course she fucking pulled out. Like, yeah. of course this happened. Like anyone who had a bird's eye view of her entire experience would say this was always going to happen. Mm. Like particularly in the wake of what happened with USA Gymnastics and Larry, Larry Nassar, Nassar. Yeah, who was the doctor who horrendously abused more than 500 young girls, I think, over the course of his career. And Simone was one of them. There's no way she was going to keep performing for her country and USA Gymnastics with that much trauma and resentment built up inside of her. Yeah, and that's not even touching on her childhood. Exactly. And with all of that pressure, it's like, why does she owe the gymnastics world that? Why does she owe America that when Mm. she was treated so horrendously? So... I just think this Simone Biles story of the last week or two has been the greatest Simone Biles story, I think, that I've read. I mean, she's the best athlete almost in the entire world and I think this is the thing that we might remember her for and I'm so stoked about that. So I couldn't recommend this more. I know I'm going to sound like a stupid gymnastics novice, but the height she gets when she tumbles is like just obscene. Some of the photos of her and how high she is in the literal sky while she's doing her routines is unparalleled compared to any other gymnast in the world. It's insane. There are quite a few sports I watched throughout the Olympics being like, that is peak athleticism. Like, Mm, do you know what I mean? Like not all sports I think are made equal. Gymnastics is definitely up there as like peak athleticism. So please listen to that episode. It is such a delight. And I think just that kind of story about an athlete who wants to put their mental health first is the one we should be telling. Mm. How was your week? Good. I would love to say this is the end of the Olympics chat, but I have <laughs> something for you. Oh, what? <gasps> oh, my God. Oh my, is this why you were pissing yourself at your desk the other day? Sarah, hello. It's um, Jess Fox little walk slash run listening to Shameless and what do I hear but Zara's thing about the Olympics and it's a healthy obsession I might add I'm loving it um but yeah just wanted to say hello and give you a little shout out and wish you a belated happy birthday and I hope that um brought a little bit of joy into your living rooms during this time and it's just been an amazing Olympics for the Aussie team. So thank you for your love and support and uh, oh my yeah, God. forward to a dedicated Olympics episode. <laughs> Why am I crying? Oh my God. You have tears running I'm down your cheeks. I just not that. everything of the, at the Olympics and this has just made me cry too. For anyone who's confused, that was Olympic gold medalist. Australian Jessica Fox. I know. Who I decided, I was like, you know what? I cannot get Leighton Beck to it. They're not responding to me. But if there's anyone who would make Zara ball at the microphone and get very excited, it would be an Olympic gold medalist who you watched in the canoe slalom and you fucking love. Oh, and it was a hard watch when she came in at bronze in her first race because you could see everything. Everyone was so upset. So when she won gold, it was so amazing. Jess, thank you. I can't believe as soon as you heard her voice, I'm so moved. <laughs> I think I'm exhausted after these Olympics. I can't stop crying. It's like you're an athlete. <laughs> You've been training your whole life for this. What is wrong with me? Anyway, happy birthday. That is from me and Jess Fox to you. Oh, thank you, everyone. Do you have a recommendation? I do. It's not about the Olympics. I'm so, so sorry. I want to give two recommendations because one is slightly self-interested, but I stick by it. We have spoken to you guys a few times about the books that changed my life. It is 
is the interview podcast that we are doing with Listener. It's on the Listener app where you can download and listen for free right now. We just dropped our last episode of season one and it's with Jocks on Frillo. And I've got to say, I think it is one of my favorite interviews we have ever done in the over 100 interviews we have done with public figures and well-known media personalities. Jocks on Frillo's story about drug addiction and crime and redemption. And homelessness. And homelessness is just absolutely epic. And I'm recommending it not because of us in interviewing Zara, I'm recommending it because of Jock. So if you haven't checked out the Books That Changed My Life podcast, if you haven't listened to season one, download the app, listen to the Jocks on Frillo episode, and then listen to the back catalogue because I really, really loved bringing this interview to life. Yeah, big agree. This was like one of those interviews that you feel very captured by him. Like it went in like a second, right? Mm. So I definitely second that and it has nothing to do with you and me and everything to do with his story. <laughs> but as you said, download the listener app. That is our last episode for the season. Yeah. My other recommendation, so not everything is self-interested, is I need everyone to go follow a chef on TikTok who just has the best, most awesome, delicious recipes that I've found on the app. So his handle is at the heel chef, H-E-A-L. And I want to I want to <laughs> clarify. Is he telling me that I'm going to heal everything with food? No, that was my Doesn't fear. Seem on brand. That was my fear because when I read his oh. handle, I was like, oh, God, is this guy going to be like, no, it's food his name. is medicine. It's his last name. So heel is his surname. I promise he's not telling you that you are going to heal yourself with his recipes. In fact, his recipes are quite Moorish and probably not the most nutritionally balanced now that I think about it. I particularly recommend his creamy Tuscan chicken meal. I've made it twice. I've posted it on my stories. A lot of shameless listeners have already made this and I've gotten glowing reviews from not just them, but also my fiance, Mitch. So make this meal tonight. It's incredibly easy. It's incredibly delicious. And you're welcome. His voice also sounds like fucking Chris Hemsworth. So <laughs> go forth, my pretty. Wait, so he's Australian? No, I think he's British, okay. but he has such a... <laughs> so, not Chris so not Chris Hemsworth at all. <laughs> no, you'll listen to this. He has such a deep voice you actually hear Chris Hemsworth despite the accent (laughs) okay (laughs) let's get into the first segment of the show Mish I'm still so tired (laughs) we're starting with the Emma Roberts meme or the Emma Roberts video I should say that was turned into a meme faster than I could even work out what the video was about exactly right Annabelle have you seen this on your timeline I've seen snippets but I don't know the backstory right that's started for this segment (laughs) (laughs) that's what we're here to do because I think this is the video that a lot of people saw around this week but didn't really have any context for or know why it was going so viral. First of all, Zara, should we introduce who the hell Emma Roberts is? Absolutely. So Emma Roberts is actually the niece of Julia Roberts. Fun fact, she is also an actress that you'll almost definitely recognise. She was in that absolutely horrendous Christmas movie we spoke about last year called Holiday. No adjectives are strong enough for this movie. Horrendous, horrific, God awful. Yeah, I don't think we had much to talk about that way. So we had to talk about the world's worst Christmas movie. She's also in the American Horror Story series and a few other things too. I just can't remember. Aquamarine. 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 Yep. Now, we... hold on. We never, we need to fact check Annabelle going no, no, no. forward. I'm 100% sure this was my favorite movie. <laughs> okay, I trust you. It is important context when we do discuss Emma Roberts to talk about her 
slightly murky history, her slightly murky reputation as well. In 2013, she was actually taken into police custody after her boyfriend at the time, Evan Peters, was found with a blood nose and a bite mark. We do just need to put that on the record that this is not an actress who is completely uncontroversial. Yeah, totally. So last week... She uploaded this video on her Instagram where she was basically standing on a beach with like this sage flowy dress on. A Zimmerman dress, no less. A Zimmerman dress. Lana Del Rey was playing in the background and she was doing that thing that people do when they stare at the camera as if it's kind of a photo but it's actually a video. So they giggle to themselves, they then stare into the (laughs) distance, they then kind of like double back and stare down the barrel of the camera. Flick their hair out of their eyes. With piercing eyes. And then at the end of the video, they almost always do something silly so that they look more self-deprecating. So in Emma Roberts's case, she just stuck her tongue out. <laughs> I love that you just recreated sticking the tongue out when this is an audio platform. <laughs> I wanted you guys to enjoy it. Yeah. I did. <laughs> so she does this like montage of kind of moving for the camera, clearly like Loving herself sick. It's like loving yourself sick for about 15 seconds before one second of self-deprecating humour that tries to recover or redeem yourself, which it just doesn't at all. People went crazy for this. Like when we're talking viral, we mean viral, viral. Two of the videos of this on Twitter, so not the original video, recreations of the video that were posted on Twitter had over 7 million views. (laughs) One of the tweets about this commenting, I quote, this is the movie detective's dead wife in a home video, got 500,000 likes. Does that make sense to you? Can you please say it again? (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I wonder if this is too quick. Like, you know, when you, you speak, memes rather than showing (laughs) memes. This is the movie detective's dead wife in a home video. So you know when like there's a film and the detective's wife has died and then they're playing the home video of her? Yes, yes, yes. It's that. It's 100% It's her like rolling around in bed, like giggling towards the camera, you like zooming in on her eye. It's got that vibe where it's like, I'm so wholesome and beautiful and now I've disappeared and no one can find me. (laughs) There was another one that was me when I reply to the question, how was your weekend with a vague, it was super chill to my co-workers after a genuinely concerning two-day bender. (laughs) Which is basically you about an hour ago, Annabelle. (laughs) I've got to say, this is the first video I've seen that epitomises the chuggy trend. Do you guys remember the chuggy trend that went around like two months ago? Yeah, the chuggy trend from two months ago. Yes, I remember that. (laughs) Don't come to me with sass because last night I brought this up with you and you went, oh, the chewy trend. (laughs) And I was like, the chuggy trend. You're like, yeah, 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 that thing. So you don't know that much about it. Well, I just mispronounced it. We should always give people leeway for mispronunciation. So, yes, it is a very chuggy video. What is chuggy? I mean, we actually never spoke about chuggy on the podcast. A, because it would have sounded a bit chuggy for us to even talk about chuggy. B, I was clearly still calling it chewy in my head. <laughs> and C, I don't know, it felt like everyone was talking about it. But this feels like the ultimate... I don't even know how to describe just chuggy. It's the embodiment of chuggy. So if you're listening to this and this trend passed you by, chuggy is like the most basic and obvious thing you can do. Like it's so basic that it's a little bit naff and a little bit annoying. Chuggy is going out to a bottomless brunch with your girlfriends and doing a boomerang where you all cheers your alcohol together and you're all just doing it just so you can get the boomerang. I think what annoyed me initially about Chuggy is I actually think that Chuggy people 
misunderstood what chuggy was and tried to start talking about chugginess. And then chuggy. <laughs> How many times? <laughs> Who came up with this word? <laughs> <laughs> it was a girl on TikTok. A girl on TikTok was like sharing it, being like, this is what chuggy is. And then two weeks later, I had to come back out and be like, I regret ever telling the world this well, word. This is what I was trying to say because basically then it just became a sub-in word for basic when in reality that's not actually what it is. But because chuggy people tried to like reclaim chuggy, <laughs> does any of this make sense? <laughs> I have more examples. I think we need more examples for this. Writing the caption, I'm feeling 22 when yeah. on your 22nd yeah, birthday yeah, yeah. is chuggy. As is, I did a thing in your caption I also regret to tell us that the other thing on this New York Times list of what is chuggy is the phrase, thank you, next bitch. <laughs> <laughs> so, in summation, we are chuggy. <laughs> thank you, next bitch. And now it's time for the quick and dirty. As always, we bring you the top five stories of the rough and tumble of the celebrity and pop culture news cycle. Michelle Chugi Andrews, what have you got? Ah, oh, my first story. Selling sunsets, Chriselle Staus and Jason Oppenheim get cosy in Rome. That is from Harper's Bazaar. Now, I'm just going to make the assumption that the majority of listeners know what Selling Sunset is. Is that a fair assumption to make? We did speak about Selling Sunset, I'm pretty sure, on the podcast. I it, recommended it. It was huge for a hottest of minutes like it was huge for a second and then it just collapsed and died well I think it was a lockdown thing last year I think when it was that stage of like I think it was like April-ish last year when it felt like the whole world was in lockdown season three of Selling Sunset came out on Netflix and people went back through and absolutely binged it and became obsessed with it I did speak about Lux listing Sydney a couple of weeks ago this is kind of the OG glowed up version of that so it's in LA it's luxury real estate homes are being sold for in excess of a hundred million dollars and in the show you follow all of the realtors and kind of observe their relationships with each other and who can secure the biggest deals. Yeah exactly. Chriselle as well the one you mentioned in that headline Mish was basically the main character I would say. She was the one that kind of definitely got the most airtime. She is an actress turned estate agent who people really quite love as a character. I mean last season we found out that her equally famous actor husband just Justin Hartley had actually left her via text message. Yeah, so they were married. He apparently, reportedly, allegedly broke up with her via text message and that was a major storyline on the show. I mean, we're talking about a reality show. We're referring to them as characters and (laughs) storylines. It's heavily scripted reality. Exactly. So now in the lead up to season four, there was like quite the surprise announcement that Chriselle had got together with her boss, Jason. (laughs) And I hate it. I hate it and I don't know why I hate it. This is the most random couple to ever just like pop into the universe. I have never been so surprised by a couple announcement on Instagram as I was with Chriselle and Jason Oppenheim. There has been no chemistry between these two at all Yeah, I for think three seasons. That's the problem, right? Because they have been seen kissing like all over Capri and Instagram at the moment. They've been in boats, in restaurants, in clubs. And there just still doesn't seem to be any chemistry. Like it's almost like the whole world is like, 
we don't believe you. Yes. Like, why are you trying to play us as fools in the lead up to season four? Just something feels off. Like even the photos of them kissing have her basically like patting his head. Well, he's, he's significantly shorter than her, which isn't a problem. It's not, but it's how her body language is with her full hand on his head, like patting him. It's like, who wants to be patted he's when they're kissing? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I don't think many people are buying into this. Like if you read the comments on their Instagram posts, a lot of people are like, wow, wow. Way to build hype for season four, <laughs> which is so awkward for everyone involved. This said, they're really sticking to this we're in love and we're doing better than ever narrative. Jason Oppenheim confirmed the relationship in a statement to People magazine earlier in the week. He said, Chriselle and I became close friends and it has developed into an amazing relationship. I care about her deeply and we are very happy together. I hate to say it, but shit like this, even though I know it's fake, I know it's almost definitely a PR stunt. It still makes me so excited to watch the show. It works. It doesn't really matter whether we believe them or not because what we want then is to still watch season four to work out how it's actually playing out and whether we can still sort of see through their storylines as we watch. Absolutely. We do know that a fourth season is definitely coming. Netflix confirmed as such earlier this year. There's also a season five in the works as well. So it's fucking working for them. Go for gold, guys. (laughs) My second story, Farmer Will issues first detailed statement about Haley's pregnancy. That is from news.com.au. So last week we gave you a little update that one of the contestants from Farmer Wants a Wife had fallen pregnant with another farmer's baby, not the farmer that she was set up with. So just to quickly recap, Hayley Love, who had actually been paired with Farmer Matt for the show, gave a statement to news.com and she alleged that she started a secret relationship with Farmer Will once filming had finished. She said that the pair had a short, pretty tumultuous relationship and that the relationship came to an end end after she fell pregnant. Now, on Instagram, Farmer Will has finally broken his silence about everything that's gone on. Thanks so much, Farmer Will, because in last week's episode, we were like, where are you, buddy? We need your (laughs) statement. And here it is. He wrote, my family are my world and my parents were the perfect role models. Odd foot to start off on. (laughs) Confused. When the time comes, I will be the best dad I can be. If this is in fact my child, I'll be there whenever the child needs me. Even if as parents we can't be a couple, our family will be filled with love for our child. But one thing I learned from my father is that discretion is the better part of Vela. I'm sad that this has played out in the public. I want only the best for Haley. I'll say what needs to be said in private and let my deeds do the talking. He turned off comments on the post and gut reaction to that. I really hate that statement. Yeah, it's an interesting one because, as we said, it's he said versus she said. She said she's pretty confident he's the dad. But him even sort of publicly questioning that feels quite undermining, if I must be honest. Even if he had a gut feeling that I'm not convinced I'm the father, I'm not sure that's the thing you want to be communicating publicly because I'm just not sure it's going to be the thing that the public are going to really adore. Prior to this, Farmer Will had basically said nothing apart from posting a meme on his Instagram page that was kind of in capital letters, which was a wolf does not concern himself with the opinions of sheep, which was on the night that Haley gave her statement. It's so interesting because I think I mucked up the dates. The reunion is actually still next week, Mish. So Farmer wants a wife are doing an incredible job of living out this drama before the season's actually finished. Bravo. I love it so, so much. What that statement reminds me of, though, is anyone who has listened to our Beyonce, Jay-Z, Elevator Gate scandal series, we gave a statement or like we read out a 
statement from one of the players involved in that controversy. And this reminds me of that statement where it's like, you're saying quite pointed things. Like even you saying, I'll say what needs to be said in private. You're acting like you're doing the big man thing. You're acting like you're being the bigger person. When in reality, you're not like it's not it's very very transparent what you're trying to do well it's this argument that I don't like things playing out in public but the tone of your post basically means that this is going to keep playing out in public for a time it's also incredible scenes for the show though because new idea I mean (laughs) the purveyor of all things good and true yes new idea are reporting that the host Nat who anyone who's ever watched Farmer Wants Wife and this is someone who used to quite religiously watch Farmer Wants Wife (laughs) will know that she is the linchpin she is the anchor of that series really oh the yes the show is it because of Nat you would know (laughs) so so new idea of reporting that because of all this drama she might be getting a pay rise and whether or not this is just some bullshit report it doesn't matter let's just put it out into the universe she should get a pay rise yeah fuck it pay rise for that. She's the face of Farmer Wants a Wife. The ratings have gone through the roof. It's suddenly not the wholesome show that it once was and we love it. The social justice movement (laughs) we as Shameless will get behind. My third story, Reese Witherspoon's media business Hello Sunshine has reportedly been sold at a valuation of $900 million. That is from Business Insider Australia. Huge news coming out of Hollywood. Huge so, sum coming out of Hollywood. I mean, huge everything, I guess. <laughs> so the entertainment production company that Reese Witherspoon did create called Hello Sunshine, which was responsible for bringing us shows like Little Fires Everywhere, Big Little Lies, The Morning Show, some cracker shows, as well as Reese's Book Club, has been sold to a new company for upwards of $900 million. But that figure, we should say, is in US dollars. So it's well <laughs> over, reportedly, a billion dollars in Australian terms. $1.2 billion, if you don't mind. Now, the new company who has bought Reese's company is currently unnamed. It is backed by a private equity firm called Blackstone, which I'm not into finance but I've always interpreted that as being a firm with a fuck ton of money that will throw it at different businesses. I mean, I think when they've got a billion dollars to spend (laughs) on a company, it's a fair assumption. Now, the new company will be run by two former Disney executives, but Reese Witherspoon will still be involved in the day-to-day. So she sold her majority share, but she's still very, very much involved in the new business, as is the Hello Sunshine CEO, Sarah Harden. She did issue a statement about this news. She said, today marks a tremendous moment for Hello Sunshine. I started this company to change the way all women are seen in media. Over the past few years, we have watched our mission thrive through books, TV, film, and social platforms. Today, we're taking a huge step forward by partnering with Blackstone, which will enable us to tell even more entertaining, impactful, and illuminating stories about women's lives globally. I do really love the mission of this business. They tell incredible female-led female written stories and they've had such success with it because no one else did it for so long. It is remarkable looking at that lineup of Little Flies Everywhere and Big Little Lies and The Morning Show, how few shows there were for women like us that we were craving, mm. that kind of people would dismiss as that chick lit fiction. But that's the stuff that women were craving and that that's the stuff that Reese really, really put at the forefront of Hollywood and made a fuckload of money from it. Mm. They are also at the moment working on the film adaptation of Where the Crawdads Sing. We cannot wait for that. Daisy Edgar-Jones at the front. And according to Forbes, this transaction makes Reese the world's richest actress. She now has a personal net worth exceeding $400 million. Tax will get you. (laughs) (laughs) Probably will. My fourth story, Scarlett Johansson sues Disney over streaming of Black Widow. That is from the BBC. And Zara, my 
goodness, this turned quite acidic very, very quickly last week. Yeah, 100%. Stay with us with this one because it might sound a bit dense to start, but it got, as you said, Mish, pretty acidic, pretty nasty, pretty quickly. So according to the Wall Street Journal last week, the actor Scarlett Johansson filed a lawsuit alleging that the online release of Black Widow violated her contract, right? So Black Widow was actually released on the 9th of July, but it was released both in cinemas and on Disney+, Plus, which is a really new thing for film, right? Yeah, well, it's a new thing in the wake of the pandemic. Lots of people don't feel comfortable to go out to cinemas yet. So what streaming giants have done is said, okay, well, we'll give you the option. You can watch it and pay for it at home or you can go into the box office and watch it in a cinema. They also did this with Cruella, which had Emma Stone in it. So this isn't the first film to have this kind of happen. No, it's just a pretty new thing that the industry is getting used to. So the film initially set a box office record for the COVID-19 pandemic. It grossed about $218 US dollars in its first weekend, which is huge. But then the box office kind of earnings fell really, really sharply. And Scarlett Johansson argues that she was deprived of potential earnings because it was put on Disney+. Plus. So the filing in the LA Superior Court argues that Scarlett Johansson basically signed a contract where the majority of her earning power came from the box office performance, which meant if it was both released at the box office and Disney Plus, it had a huge impact on box office performance and a huge impact on what she was earning. It sounds like this contract was a riskier one for her to enter because it's kind of banking on the fact that the film will hopefully be successful, where other actors apparently enter contracts where they're more heavily weighted to like an upfront payment, like we'll give you this and then yes, you'll earn some royalties. Scarlett Hansen really backed the film, really thought it would perform well, and then a heavy part of her payment was attached to that box office royalty model. Yeah, and she was right. I mean, initially it did very well, but it being placed on Disney Plus definitely had an impact. So what happened was the Walt Disney Company fired back very quickly when this lawsuit was filed. They said, there is no merit whatsoever to this filing. The lawsuit is especially sad and distressing in its callous disregard for the horrific and prolonged global effects of the COVID-19 pandemic. Disney has fully complied with Miss Johansson's contract and furthermore, the release of Black Widow on Disney Plus with Premier Access has significantly enhanced her ability to earn additional compensation on top of the $20 million she has already received to date. I've got to say, I'm not a fan of them including how much money she has made from this movie. Yes, of course, it is a huge sum. I think I am sitting here as someone who would love $20 million in my life but that's also irrelevant. She earned that money because that is the deal that was made. I do not understand why that needs to be thrown into a statement as if to say, because this is my interpretation, they've put that figure in to say, she's made enough. Like, why are you whinging? You've made enough. We shouldn't owe you any more because your pockets are very well lined. Yeah. And it is such an interesting and very carefully worded statement because what it does is it juxtaposes the prolonged effects of COVID-19 on the arts industry to Scarlett Johansson's 20 million salary. And if you just had that together, you'd be like, well, yeah, she has earned $20 million. What is she doing? But it just feels manipulative given we shouldn't be knowing what she's earning. Mm. That is their information only. And also it's making her look incredibly greedy. I mean, Johansson's lawyer then fired back telling The Independent, it is no secret that Disney is releasing films like Black Widow directly onto Disney Plus to increase subscribers and thereby boost the company's stock price and that it's hiding behind COVID-19 as a pretext to do so. So it's kind of like, are Disney Plus actually struggling that much? Who's the real loser here? 
But what is most interesting, I think, is there was a statement that was released by the advocacy organisations, like joint statement between Women in Film, Reframe and Time's Up, Mm. who are basically advocacy organisations for women in Hollywood. And they wrote, while we take no position on the business issues in the litigation between Scarlett Johansson and the Walt Disney Company, we stand firmly against Disney's recent statement, which attempts to characterise Johansson as insensitive or selfish for defending her contractual business rights. This gendered character attack has no place in a business dispute and contributes to an environment in which women and girls are perceived as less able than men to protect their own interests without facing criticism. I've got to say, I do not think Disney would have come out with a statement like this against a male actor. I I just flatly refuse that they would come out and do this. They know that people will jump on the bandwagon of a woman getting a little too greedy, a little too selfish, earning a little too much money. I just fucking hate that they published this. Yeah, it's not good at all. So we'll keep you updated on this one if anything changes or happens. My fifth and final story for today's Quick and Dirty, bridal designer insists she created Ricky Lee Coulter's 2015 wedding dress after the singer claimed she designed the gown herself and had a French atelier sew it. That is from the Daily Mail. Now, if you are listening internationally or if you're not familiar with the name Ricky Lee Coulter, She has been a prominent Australian singer for the better part of, what, 15 years now? Yeah, exactly. She sort of was first introduced to us on Australian Idol. I spent lots of my parents' money calling up and voting for her (laughs) back (laughs) in the day. (laughs) And now there's a bit of drama around her 2015 wedding dress. And when I say a bit of drama... A lot of drama. Quite a bit of drama. (laughs) So... What happened here was on Friday, Ricky Lee shared what is a now deleted gallery of black and white photos on Instagram where it was kind of depicting her wedding dress fitting. And in the comment section of the post, someone asked where she got her dress and who designed her dress. Ricky Lee responded to that by saying, me, I designed it and worked with an amazing French atelier to bring it to life. She also said that the photos were taken in Paris in 2015, Mish. Yeah, which is made incredibly awkward when the dress's actual designer, Joanna Johnson, saw the post and commented as a reply, it was a pleasure to create this for you. It would also be nice to receive the credit for the gift. It goes without saying, Joanna Johnson is not a French atelier. She is an Australian designer who took umbrage with this comment from Ricky Lee. Yeah, so Joanna Johnson came in here because she says she not only designed the dress and spent many months doing so, but actually gifted gifted it. it to Ricky Lee. So she commented again, it took us many weeks to create this for you. This was also in LA. She also went on to write, this is highly unprofessional, untrue, and frankly, unkind. You are well aware I designed this custom gown. My team and I spent many weeks creating this exclusive gown for you. Your fittings were also in LA, not Paris, where we arranged them for you. This beautiful gown was one of my favorites we had the pleasure of making. I've got to say, if you are a designer or any kind of person in a creative industry, it would be incredibly, incredibly difficult to see someone that you say you gifted your work to not credit you and say that, like, why would you say that you got it at this French atelier if that's not the truth? I mean, I have a few theories in my head saying that you got this French design dress is very bougie and very much buys into the wedding industrial complex (laughs) that we touched on last week, Zara. But if you're gifted this dress for free and people worked on this dress for hours and hours, weeks at a time, it's not a very good look at all and not very grateful to the person who supposedly 
reportedly gave you the dress in the first place. Yeah, it's a really interesting story because I would also argue that getting a dress designed and gifted to you or reportedly gifted to you by Joanna Johnson is also a bit bougie. Like what's, yeah. what's the difference between Paris and LA to me? Like it all sounds very impressive. Joanna Johnson was clearly really upset by this. She actually went on to post on her own feed about it as well and wrote... Thank you to all the genuine and professional artists we have had the pleasure of working with who always give credit where due. They most definitely would not create untrue narratives as to the location of their fittings or designer purely for their own ego. We have never experienced such unprofessional and deceptive behaviour as this. It defies reasoning. This industry needs to be cleaned up from artists who use and abuse the creative talents of others. I ask who is going to want to dress or spend weeks working on an exclusive garment for an artist for them only to create a delusional narrative about its origin. Wow. She went on to say, beware who you choose to look after. Choose wisely. Choose those who support other women, appreciate and understand the hard work and livelihoods of the teams that hold up this industry. It would be really, really interesting to hear Ricky Lee Coulter respond to this feedback at the time of recording. We haven't had a statement from Ricky. We haven't had her address this. We've just had an archived or deleted post. So yeah, I want to hear her rebuttal to this or potentially an apology yeah so do i a bit awkward very awkward you know what this reminds me of sorry (laughs) (laughs) this is such a stretch but you know in friends when joey tells an interviewer that he writes some of his lines and then it like cuts to the (laughs) scriptwriter being like fuck you and then he writes (laughs) out of the show it is a bit like that because it's like you were always going to get caught out if this is true he's on a public platform (laughs) i mean we will see is that all you've got for me that's all I've got. Coming up after the break, a rebuttal to Instagram's wellness warriors. But first, a word from today's sponsor. It was the meme you might have seen all over your Instagram timeline over the weekend. A bunch of wellness warrior influencers shared a quote that wasn't quite what they thought it was. The post itself lamented how we function today as a society and that things have, ostensibly, never been worse. But... If you ever tried to scratch below the surface, not everything was as it seemed. So what's behind this movement from wellness influencers to lament the world we currently find ourselves in? Mish, talk to me about this meme. You saw it before I did. So what did you think when it first popped up? Yeah, I saw this on a couple of different influencers' stories, often wedged between semi-pseudoscientific rhetoric. So it kind of made me raise an eyebrow, particularly the title of this meme. So it was kind of like almost looked like a picture of a scroll of old text with the headline, The Paradox of Our Age. Now I'm going to read this out, but I want to put a disclaimer out there. The wording of this meme is slightly different to the original publication of The Paradox of Our Age, which I'll get to in a little bit. This is how it read. We have bigger houses but smaller families, more conveniences but less time. We have more degrees but less sense, more knowledge but less judgment, more experts but more problems, more medicines but less healthiness. We've been all the way to the moon and back but have trouble crossing the street to meet a new neighbour. We built more computers to hold more information to produce more copies than ever but have less communication. We have become long on quantity but short on quality. These are times of fast foods but slow digestion, tall man but short character, steep profits but shallow relationships. 
It's a time when there is much in the window, but nothing in the room. Now, I read this and I saw that it was credited to, and I quote, His Holiness, the 14th Dalai Lama. I don't know what it was about this, but I read it and I was like, first of all, I really have to rally against the the suggestion that life today is categorically worse than it has been in the past. But also, this being credited to the Dalai Lama just struck me as odd. (laughs) So I did a little bit of research and I found that the paradox of our age wasn't written by the Dalai Lama. Some influencer tacked that on and it's bullshit. It was written by a Christian pastor named Bob Moorhead. Now, people might not be crediting this to Dr. Bob Moorhead for a couple of reasons. One is that he left his church in disgrace in the 1990s because he was accused of molesting boys and people working with him in the parish. Two, for some reason, crediting things to Buddhism and the Dalai Lama seems to give them a fresh, new, interesting and palatable edge. Yeah, it's a really interesting one because I think the type of person that shared this meme, I, mean, I guess we're going to call it a meme, yeah. right, or this graphic, was definitely an influencer, I would say, that would fall into a kind of wellness warrior influencer. Yeah. And it was, as you said, sandwiched often between stuff that, you know, lamented modern day medicine, pleaded for a return to like simplicity and those kinds of things. And it felt like it was held up as this perfect synopsis of how life in society in 2021 has gone a bit mad. But it feels very much like the thing that they were most trying to communicate, right, was about the health and medicine. Yeah. And it feels like they were all sharing this meme, sharing this graphic with the idea of 2021 is so much worse than the years that came before it. We need to return to how we were decades ago. And one of the most interesting things I found when I was researching this post was that this was written in 1995. (laughs) Like this is a post that is almost 30 years old. And I find that so interesting that influencers, the wellness warriors, the earth mothers on Instagram are sharing this as to be like, amen, this perfectly explains why 2021 is broken. When it's like, well, no, because this was literally written when you were born. (laughs) Like, this is the most, this is a tale as old as time. Well, this is also, this was written at the time that you're probably thinking about now was the good old days. So it's like, this is like, it's like that classic thing that happens when every generation that gets older denigrates the generation after it. It's like, this feels like the most obvious take to say life is so much worse. And don't get me wrong. I mean, there are definitely things about our world now that are worse than what they used to be. I mean, hello, climate change. But there are also a wealth of things that are better, including the inventions of many types of medicine that have saved lives. Yeah. And this is where I get confused because I posted this on my own Instagram stories. I had a bunch of people come back and be like, thank God this bullshit always gets unchecked. Let's talk about it. Some people came back though and did say, well, I agree. Like we are less healthy than we've ever been. And we do have less communication and like mental health is worse than it's ever been. But as soon as you go back to these people and say, show me a stat that actually shows that to be true. Like Give me factual evidence to back this up, not just some anecdotal bullshit that... It's a feeling for them, I think. It's a feeling. it's It's a feeling and an energy that is not backed up by any stats. No. And when you look at the stats like life expectancy, like suicide rates, like whatever you want to throw at me, 
We are doing better today than we ever have been in a lot of areas. Some areas, maybe we're not the best we've ever been. We're certainly not the worst we've ever been. One of the most interesting stats I think about this is because we always hear these wellness warriors throw out, well, suicide, like mental health has never been worse. We have all these things to help us, but people are more unhappy than they ever have been, is actually wrong. Australia's suicide rate was the highest in recorded history in 1963. It is far lower now than it was in 1963. And yet 1963 and the 60s in general is held up as this like nirvana for when we apparently had everything under control. People didn't wear like fucking seatbelts in the 1960s. Well, it's this nostalgia for a time that none of us ever experienced, right? So it's a nostalgia for a time we just make the assumption was far more simple. And I think there was another line in that graphic that really got me too, which was more experts, but more problems. And that felt incredibly pointed to me Mm. in the climate that we find ourselves in. Like, is that even strictly true? It feels very of the moment for people, wellness influencers, to be talking about how experts aren't all made equal and that we have all these experts, but we shouldn't believe any of them. And I just very much feel like the timing of these posts is incredibly important, like particularly in the context of health and people wanting to have choices, right? I mean, a big portion of our country is in lockdown right now. We're in the middle of a global pandemic. People are actively having to make sacrifices for the greater good. And we really have to trust health experts who are making calls that are good for all of us. It is uncomfortable. It is deeply uncomfortable. Ask the people in Sydney right now who are stuck in an endless lockdown. It is so uncomfortable and it does tend to breed cynicism and people want to question things. So They start questioning medicine in general. And I think, yes, as much as these people are sharing posts saying, let's go back to the good old days, it feels incredibly pointed to me when we're in the middle of a global pandemic, when we're talking a lot about medicine and experts. Yeah, I think as well, like the notion of the good old days is such a myopic one. The good old days were only good for a very particular kind of person. If you are thinking, let's go back to the good old days, it's probably not a surprise that you are white because the good old days were actually pretty shit for a large majority of Australians and people around the world in general. So if you're saying that, what else is that saying about how you view the world and what you actually think is important? I also think the idea of more medicines but less healthiness, like do you remember a time when the mumps and smallpox and and diphtheria and tetanus, all of these things just ran wild and children and people with compromised immune systems died. Like you were speaking from such a platform of privilege, but also such a platform of ignorance to think that they were the good old days. Yeah, it is that real intersection between privilege and ignorance. And it is not to say that people who have influence, who have Instagram followers, can't look at the world today and say, what could be changed? What could be better? That is like an imperative function of how we all exist. It is so important for progress. But these aren't helpful posts to just lament how we're living and not offer a solution. This is just you centering yourself in this world, not happy with how the world is progressing and you don't want to get left behind. And it's also for all the talk that we see from wellness warriors of, I've done my own research, stop being a sheep, go do your research show me a graph, show me a stat 
Don't give me some anecdote from your life two weeks ago. Give me actual data. Because if we're talking about research, research goes beyond how you are feeling on one particular day and you're taking a stab in the dark that, well, I feel this way, so it's a global problem that we need to solve. Yeah, exactly. The whole thing actually makes me a bit tired, if I'm honest. Like, I just feel tired by the whole thing. And I think particularly, I know I said it already, because of the pandemic, it just feels Mm. so fucking pointed. Mm. Well, I feel amused sometimes because I'm like, please, let's have, please have a conversation with me about this because I do back myself and I do back the data to say actually the good old days didn't exist. And I want to finish this segment by reading out one of my favourite quotes on this, which is from Franklin Pierce Adams, who once said, nothing is more responsible for the good old days than a bad memory that is so good guys that is all we've got time for today thank you so much for listening as always if you want to support the show there are a couple of things you can do you can hit that green follow button on spotify or you can hit that purple subscribe button on apple Podcasts. it just helps people find the show yeah if you enjoy us chuck us a five star review if you have time we would greatly appreciate it also come follow us on instagram we are at shameless podcast Annabelle Lee, anything else to add? Have a lovely day, week, year, year life, and toodles. <laughs> stay happy, stay healthy, get jabbed if you can. And thinking of people who are in lockdown right now, it's a shitty time. So our thoughts are with you. Hope this brought you some light. Bye. Bye. Hello guys, Mish here. I am the co-founder of Shameless Media. Thank you so much for giving us your ears and your mind and your time. We're so grateful. If you enjoy the stuff that we produce, may I recommend our brand new podcast, Style-ish. Style-ish, if you want to say it quickly. Style-ish, if you want to take the long way through. It is our podcast for all things fashion, brand, business, and beauty. If that is in your wheelhouse. If you care about style content, you will love this show. It is, of course, more than just a show as well. It is a newsletter. It is an Instagram feed. It is a TikTok account. There is so much good stuff going out on Stylish every single day starting now. So in your favorite app, search for Style-ish. Give it a listen. Give it a follow. We are an independent media company and we would be so, so grateful for all your support. That's all for me, guys. Check out Stylish and have a good one.